We're going to be learning in Chidushe Maran Riz HaLevi, the only piece in Hilchos Brachos. This is Perak Yud Aleph, Halacha Tes Zion. And in this piece, Reb Velvel explains a very fundamental debate between the Rambam and Tosfos, why we don't make a Bracha on a Minhag, on something which is not strict Halacha, but it's a custom, even if it's a very early custom. So he's going to explain two different views of that Halacha that are very fundamentally distinct. The Rambam writes, Kol Shehu Minhag, anything which is a custom, even if it's a very early custom that dates back to the time of the prophets, like taking the Arava on Hoshana Rabbah on the seventh day of Sukkot. So that's a custom. It's not strict halacha, but it goes all the way back to the Nevi'im. And certainly a custom of the rabbis in the Gemara, which is much later than the Nevi'im. Pesach, like reading Hallel on Rosh Chodesh or on Chola Moed of Pesach, we do not make a bracha on such minhagim, even though they're widely accepted. They have a very high status in halacha because they come from the Gemara's period or even earlier from the Tanakh's period. But even though they're very widely accepted customs, we still do not make a bracha on them because they're not strict halacha. And that is the view of the Sfardim, not to make a bracha on halal of Rosh Chodesh and Cholamoid of Pesach. The Ashkenazim, though, follow a different tradition. Now, the source for this halacha is the Gemara in Sukkah Memdalid with regards to hitting the Arava on Hoshana Rabbah. So the Gemara says that we don't make a bracha on it because it's a custom, even though it's a very early custom of the Nevi'im. Now, Tosvos asks, according to that Gemara that we do not make brachas on customs, so why do we make a bracha on the second day of Yantif? Outside of Israel, every day of Yantif is doubled up and we make all the brachas on the second day that we made on the first day. So how do we do that when the second day is only minag avosenu biadenu? It's not a strict halacha that we don't know which of those days is yantif. Based on our calendar, we do know that the first day is the proper day of yantif, but because it was customary to keep the second day outside of Israel, so we continue to do so. So how do we make all the brachas like Kiddush and Musaf and all the additional brachas on something that is technically a minhag? So Tosos answers, the reason we don't make a bracha on a minhag is because the formula of the bracha says vitzi vanu, that Hashem commanded us in the Torah to do this. Now, if it's a minhag, so it's not technically commanded by the Torah, so we can't make that bracha. So we're not going to say asher vanu, that we were commanded to say halal on Rosh Chodesh when that's not technically the case. So that's why we don't make a bracha on a minhag. But when it comes to the second day of Yantif, we don't say Vitzivanu in any of the brachas. So we make Kiddush, we add into the davening and into the benching, but we never say Vitzivanu that we were commanded to do something. So all of the rest of the brachas we're able to make, so long as we don't apply that term Vitzivanu to anything on the second day of Yantif. So that's how Tosos explains all the brachas that we make on the second day of Yantif. Now the Ran asks on Tosos that he 
seems to have forgotten that at the second Seder, we do make brachas of vitzivanu, that we were commanded to eat the matzah. And according to Tosos, we should be unable to do that because we can't say vitzivanu brachas, that formula, on the second day of Yantif. So how do we use that formula at the second Seder? So instead, the Ran gives a totally different answer, which is he holds that the second day of Yantif is not a minhag. Even though the language of the Gemara is minagavosenu biadenu, we keep it because it's the custom of our ancestors. But according to the Ran, it's actually a decree of the rabbis, a full-fledged decree that we have to keep the second day of Yantif. So once it's not a minhag, so of course we can make the brachas on the second day of Yantif. So that's how the Ran answers. According to Tosos, the second day of Yantif is a minhag. According to the Ran, it is not. It's a decree. Now, Reb Velvel says that the Rambam seems to hold like Tosvos on this point. Because in Hilchus Yom Tov, Aleph, Chaf Aleph, the Rambam writes, Zeshanu Osim Chutzlaaretz, Kol Yom Tov Me'elu Shnei Yamim Minhag Hu. This that we keep two days of Yantif in Chutzlaaretz is a Minhag. Uve Hilchus Kiddush Achodesh Misefer Zeh Nevayar Ikar Minhag Zeh. And in the laws of Kiddush Achodesh about sanctifying the new month, will explain the essential minhag of this. So the Rambam seems to say that the second day of Yantif is a minhag, not a decree, a takana of the rabbis. And similarly, later on, the Rambam in Vav Yudalid writes, Nowadays, when there's a set calendar, so the Jews in Israel know exactly when Yantif is, the second day of Yantif in is not because of a suffix, because we actually don't know which day is Yantif, but only because of a minhag. So again, the Rambam says that the second day of Yantif is a minhag. And even more explicitly, the Rambam in Hilchus Talmud Torah, Vav Yudalid, lists the things that someone gets excommunicated for, and one of them is Yom Tov Sheni Afal Minhag. If they violate the second day of Yantif, and the Rambam adds, even though it's only a custom. So here it's quite Quite clear that the Rambam disagrees with the Ran. He agrees with Tosvos that the second day of Yantif is a minhag, not a takana. So according to the Rambam, we're back to the question, how do we make all the brachas on the second day of Yantif? Tosos had answered that we don't say vitzivanu on the second day, but the Ran asked that at the second Seder we do say vitzivanu. And Rab Velvel adds that also at Hallel, also on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, we say vitzivanu about blowing the shofar. So there's a number of instances where we say a vitzivanu bracha on the second day of Yantif. And how do we do so? The Ran's answer that the second day is a takana, not a minhag, is not going to work according to the Ran. Now, Tosos in Sukkah quotes another answer from Rabbeinu Tam that he holds that this whole concept that we don't make a bracha on a minhag only applies to the Arava Minhag. So that's the one instance of that halacha. But otherwise, we do make brachas on Minhagim, and the proof is because we make brachas on the second day of Yantif. 
So Reb Velvel points out that obviously the Rambam does not agree with that view either because we just read the halacha in the Rambam that we never make brachas on a minhag. So that's unlike Rabbeinu Tam. It's not only the Arava minhag, but any minhag, according to the Rambam, we don't make a bracha on. So we're back to the question that Tosos asks. According to the Rambam, how do we make brachas on the second day of Yantif when it's only a minhag? So Reb Velvel explains that the Rambam has a totally different approach to understanding this whole halacha. Why is it that we can't make a bracha on a minhag? So Rashi in Sukkah Memdalet explains, because we can't say vitzivanu, that we were commanded to follow this mitzvah, which is the formula of the bracha, because in fact, this is only a custom. We were not commanded by the Torah to do so. Now, even if the mitzvah was only rabbinic, so still we could say vitzivanu, even though the Torah didn't command us, because the Torah said lo sasar, that you can't deviate from what the rabbis command. So the Torah commands us to follow the commands of the rabbis. So if the rabbis make a decree, their authority to do so is rooted in the Torah itself. So we're able to use the formula of vitzivanu even for a rabbinic decree. But a minhag, which is just a custom that developed, so there the Torah never said that we have to follow that. So we can't say vitzivanu about such a mitzvah. So that's why we don't make the bracha with the vitzivanu formula on something which is rooted in a minhag. But Rav Velvel points out that the Rambam cannot agree with Rashi's explanation because the Rambam in his introduction to the Mishnah Torah explicitly writes that he's going to include in these halachas the customs as well as the decrees, the minhagim and the takanos that developed over the generations. Whatever the court of each generation saw fitting to do. Because the Torah says that we can't abandon either the takanas of the rabbis or the minhagim that they instituted. So the Rambam explicitly includes the minhagim, the customs that the rabbis introduced as being included in the prohibition of losasur. So the Torah is commanding us to follow the minhagim of the rabbis. So according to the Rambam, Rashi's logic is incorrect. Rashi says that only the rabbis' decrees are included in Losasur, not their minhagim. And according to the Rambam, both the takanas and the minhagim are included in Losasur. So we could say vitzivanu on a minhag. And the Rambam repeats this perspective clearly in Hilchus Mamrim Aleph Beis, where he's listing what's included in the Torah Shabal Peh. So he says, Echad Dvarim Shalom Du whether the rabbis had a tradition of it, whether they derived it using one of the ways of understanding the Torah, whether they created a fence around the Torah, which includes Hagzeros Vatakonos Vamin whether it was a preventative measure, whether it was a decree, or whether it was a minhag, 
even a minhag kol echad ve'echad mi elu hashloshet varim. All three of those categories, mitzvahs aseli lahen. We have a mitzvah of the Torah to follow what the rabbis said. Ve'ha'overal kol echad mehen. If anyone violates them, over below say they violate a prohibition of the Torah. Harehu omer al pi Torah sher yorucha elu atakanos vagzeros aminhagos. It says in the Torah that we have to follow the rules of the rabbis, which includes their decrees, their preventative measures as well as their customs. So again, the Rambam includes the Minhagim in the same category as the decrees of the rabbis, that they both have equal status. So according to the Rambam, there's no reason to differentiate that we only say the Tzivanu about the decrees of the rabbis and not the Minhagim. So why, according to the Rambam, does the Gemara say that we do not make a bracha on a Minhag? And the Gemara says that clearly, that if our Rava would be a decree, so then we would make a bracha on it, we don't make a bracha on it because it's a minhag. So according to the Rambam, why should that be? So Rabbelville explains that the Rambam understands, unlike Rashi, the issue with making a bracha on a minhag is not saying vitzivanu because we're less commanded to follow a minhag than a regular rabbinic decree. According to the Rambam, we are obligated equally to follow both of those categories. The issue, according to the Rambam, is a more fundamental one. That a Minhag is established in such a way that we do not make a bracha on a minhag. That is the essential concept of a bracha that we only make it on a mitzvah and something that we are commanded to do, not a minhag. So it has nothing to do with the level of obligation. A minhag of the rabbis or the neviim is as obligatory as any other decree of the rabbis. But the nature of those two types of obligations is different. A bracha can only be made on something which is set up as a decree, as a mitzvah that we have to do it. Something which is set up as a minhag that we have to follow this custom, even though it's obligatory, but it does not allow for a bracha because that's the essential concept of a bracha that it can only be made on a mitzvah and not on a minhag. And Reb Velvel finds this idea in the language of the Rambam himself in Hilchus Megillo Chanukah, Gimel Zion. The Rambam says of Al-Barosh Chodesh, Kriyasa Halel Minhag, the Eno Mitzvah. Reciting Halel on Rosh Chodesh is a minhag, not a mitzvah, the Ein Mivarchen Alav. So we don't make a bracha on it. So the Rambam is explicitly saying that the reason there's no bracha on Halel of Rosh Chodesh is because it's a minhag, not a mitzvah. So there's an essential component to a minhag that we do do not make a bracha on it, even though, as we just saw, according to the Rambam, it's equally obligatory to any decree of the rabbis. But since it was set up to be a minhag, not to be a decree, so we only make brachas on something which is a mitzvah, which was set up initially to be commanded that we have to do it, not something which was established as a minhag. And in fact, Rav Velvel adds that when the Rambam discusses these concepts, as we just saw, he always talks about two different categories. There's takanas, decrees, and there's minhagim, the customs. And the Rambam separates them, even though there is no practical difference because the Rambam holds they're both equally obligatory. 
So why does the Rambam keep referring to the two different categories if at the end of the day they're both obligatory? Why not just merge them into one category? So this shows that there is a fundamental distinction between the two categories that a takana is established that we have to follow it, whereas a minhag is established to be the custom that people have to do, but it's different from a takana. It does not have that status of a mitzvah. So according to Rab Velvel, one of the distinctions is that we do not make a bracha on a minhag, only something which is an explicit mitzvah. So now that we understand the Rambam's explanation for why we generally don't make a bracha on a minhag, says Rab Velvel, this answers Tosus's question, how do we make a bracha on the second day of Yantif? Because Tosus's question is really only according to Rashi's view, that a minhag is less obligatory than a regular rabbinic decree. So on that, Tosos asks, how do we make a bracha on the second day of Yantif, which is a minhag, so it should also be less obligatory? So the answer is we don't save it Sivanu brachas on the second day of Yantif. But according to the Rambam's perspective on this halacha, there is another solution to this problem, which is the Rambam holds that we cannot make a bracha on something which was instituted to begin with to be a minhag. Because that is the nature of a minhag that we do not make a bracha on it. But when it comes to eating matzah or blowing the shofar on the second day of Yantif, so even though we don't have an obligation to do that on the second day of Yantif, only on the first, the fact that we're doing it the second day is only because of a minhag, but the essential act of eating matzah and blowing shofar is not a minhag. No one would ever say that eating matzah on Pesach is a minhag. It's certainly a rule, a mitzvah of the Torah. Now, the Torah limited it only to the first day. The rabbis added the second day. But the essential concept of eating matzah is certainly not a minhag. It's a full-fledged mitzvah. So that's why, according to the Rambam, we can make a bracha on the matzah at the second seder, even though it includes vitzivanu, because that's a fully correct formula to use. In fact, we do have to eat the matzah at the second seder, because there's a minhag, and a minhag is as obligatory as any other rabbinic decree. So when someone sits down to the second seder outside of Israel, it's a full rabbinic obligation to eat the matzah. The only issue would have been that we can't make a bracha on something which is essentially a minhag, but since matzah, since shofar are inherently full-fledged mitzvahs, so we're able to make a bracha on them. So according to the Rambam, there is no issue making the brachas on the second day of Yantif, even though we're doing those actions and those mitzvahs in order to fulfill a minhag, but those behaviors those objects are full-fledged mitzvahs. And since they're also obligatory on the second day of Yantif in order to fulfill the minhag, so if we put that all together, according to the Rambam, there is no problem making a bracha, even vitzivanu, to eat the matzah at the second seder. So the Rambam, according to his view of this halacha, that we don't make a bracha on things which start off as a minhag, is not bothered by Tosos' question, 
how do we make brachas on the second day of Yantif? Because those mitzvahs that we're doing did not begin as minhagim. They might be minhagim on the second day, but on the first day, they're full-fledged Torah obligations, so we're able to make a bracha on them even on the second day. So that's how Reb Velvel sets up this whole discussion that there is a fundamental debate between Rashi and the Rambam how to understand, first of all, the nature of the obligation of Minhagim. Is it the same as any other rabbinic decree? And whether that's the reason why we don't generally make a bracha on Minhagim. And Reb Velvel adds that applying that debate to the question of how we make brachas on the second day of Yantif leads to two different approaches and answers to that question. Now, in the third paragraph, Reb Velvel adds that this overall idea that he's developing as the Rambam's perspective also explains what Tosvos quotes from Rabbeinu Tam. So Rabbeinu Tam, which he mentioned briefly earlier, holds that the whole limit that you don't make a bracha on a minhag is only for the arava on Hoshana Rabbah. Because since we just carry it around, so that type of minhag does not allow for a bracha. But when it comes to reading Hallel, even on days when it's not obligatory, so Rabbeinu Tam says that we do make a bracha. Again, that's the view of the Ashkenazim. Because logara mikore batorah. It's no worse than someone who reads from the Torah who makes a bracha. So too we make a bracha on reading this Hallel, which is only a custom. And likewise, adds Rabbeinu Tam, we make a bracha on the second day of Yantif as well, which is the whole issue that we've been discussing, even though the Gemara in the first chapter of Beitzah calls it a minhag. So according to the Gemara, the second day of Yantif is only a minhag, and yet we still make brachas on it. So says Rabbeinu Tam, we see that in general, we do make brachas on minhagim, only the arava minhag, which we carry around, so that type of minhag we don't make a bracha on. Now, Reb Velvel asks, what does any of this mean? First, Toso says that we make a bracha on the non-obligatory halal because it's no worse than any reading of the Torah. And then suddenly he adds in that we make a bracha on the second day of Yantif. So what does any of this mean? So Rab Velvel explains that Rabbeinu Tam has the same perspective as the Rambam. He understands that the reason we don't make brachas on Minhagim is because the nature of a bracha is that it has to be made on an obligation, on a full-fledged mitzvah, and not on something which is customary. So that's exactly what Rabbeinu Tam is trying to say. That the minhag of carrying the arava on Hoshana Rabbah is not fundamentally a mitzvah. If not that the Nevi'im said to carry around the arava on Hoshana Rabbah, so that itself would not be a mitzvah. There's no mitzvah in walking around with an arava. So such a minhag does not allow for a bracha because the bracha would be on something which is inherently a minhag, not a full-fledged mitzvah, and a bracha cannot be on something which is fundamentally a minhag. So now, adds Rabbeinu Tam, that's exactly why Hallel is totally different. Even though reciting Hallel on Rosh Chodesh or Cholamoid Pesach is not a full obligation, it's a minhag, but the overall concept of reciting Hallel is a mitzvah. There are plenty of times during the year when we recite Hallel and it's a full-fledged mitzvah with a bracha. So that's why they instituted a bracha on Hallel just like they instituted reciting a bracha before reading the Torah publicly. So according to Rabbi Velvel, that's exactly what Tosos is saying, that you make a bracha even on a non-obligatory Hallel because it's no worse than reading the Torah, meaning the idea is 
is, like Rab Velbel said in the Rambam, since Hallel is fundamentally a mitzvah, which it does have a bracha, so even if it's non-obligatory on that day, we still make a bracha. And the Hagos Maimonis on the Rambam Megillah Perak Gimel says something very similar. Rabbeinu Simcha wrote that one should make a bracha on Hallel because it's no worse than reading the Torah. And even when one reads the Megillahs of Rus or Eicha or Shira Shirim, even though those are not obligatory because the Gemara never says we have to read them, there is a view in Masechus Sofrim. And this was the practical ruling of the Vilna Gon as well. So there are those who follow this halacha, that they make a bracha on reading those Megillahs publicly. Even though reading those Megillahs on the various Yantifs is never mentioned in the Gemara, certainly not as an obligation, but not even as a custom. So says Rabbeinu Simcha, if there are people who make brachas on the Megillahs, then Halal is a notch above that because at least the Gemara says that there's a minhag to read Halal on Rosh Chodesh. So certainly there should be a bracha on Halal of Rosh Chodesh. So Rabbeinu Simcha is bringing a proof that one should make a bracha on Halal of Rosh Chodesh from the reading of the Megillahs, which are not an obligation and they're not even mentioned in the Gemara. So says Rab Velvel, the explanation of that is the same as he just explained Rabbeinu Tam's view, similar to the Rambam, that how is it in fact that they make a bracha on reading the Megillahs, which is totally non-obligatory? How are you making a bracha on something that you don't have to do? So the answer is that the bracha is on the essential concept of reading the Megillah, even though it's not obligatory at that moment, but on the concept of reading the Megillah or reading the Torah, there is a bracha. So they're able to make a bracha even on something which is voluntary. So says Rabbeinu Simcha, the same applies to Halal on Rosh Chodesh, even though that day it's not an obligation, but there is a bracha on the overall concept of Halal on days when it is obligatory. So even even on a day when it's not obligatory, we still make a bracha on that type of halal. So this is all in line with the way Rab Velvel explained the perspective of the Rambam that we do not make a bracha on something which begins as a minhag. If the whole behavior or the whole object only has the status of a minhag, so it was never obligatory, so on such a thing you would not make a bracha. But once the object or the behavior has the status of a mitzvah, even though at this point in time, on this day, it's not obligatory, but that overcomes comes the problem and we're able to make a bracha even though it's technically a minhag on that day. So now according to this, says Rab Velvel, that's exactly why Tosos adds in the second day of Yantif. Because he's pointing out that according to this perspective, which is the perspective of the Rambam, it makes perfect sense to make brachas on the second day of Yantif, even though that day they're only a minhag, but because since those mitzvahs on the first day were full-fledged mitzvahs, which demanded brachas, so we're able to make them even on the second day. So that reinforces the whole idea of making a bracha on Halal of Rosh Chodesh because it too is a mitzvah on other days, even though on that day it's only a custom, but we're able to make a bracha on it. So Tosos proves this from the second day of Yantif, which likewise works the same way 
that that day eating matzah or blowing shofar, all of those mitzvahs are only a minhag. But since inherently matzah and shofar are fundamentally full-fledged mitzvahs, so we're able to make a bracha on them even on the second day of Yantif. So at the end of this analysis, Rabbeinu Tam as well as Rabbeinu Simcha also agree with the overall approach of the Rambam. And Rab Velvel adds that Tosos in Brochus Yudalid says this even more explicitly. He has a very short formulation of Rabbeinu Tam that Rabbeinu Tam said we don't make a bracha on the minhag of our Rava because it's tiltal. It's just carrying around the Rava. But something which is a mitzvah, so certainly we do make a bracha. Like we find when it comes to the second day of Yantif that we do make brachas. So this brief line would be very unclear without Reb Velvel's explanation, but according to his approach in the Rambam, so that's exactly what Tosos is saying. That carrying the Arava is not inherently a mitzvah, so since it's a minhag, there is no bracha. But reciting halal or eating matzah at the second Seder or blowing shofar on the second day of Rosh Hashanah are all fundamentally mitzvahs, so even though that day they're only a minhag, we still make a bracha on them. So now according to this analysis, Rabbeinu Tam and the Rambam fundamentally agree about how to understand this whole issue. But there is a key difference between them because for some reason the Rambam holds that you do not make a bracha on Hallel of Rosh Chodesh, whereas Rabbeinu Tam explicitly disagrees with that. So why, according to this analysis, should the Rambam hold that you do not make a bracha on Halal of Rosh Chodesh, even though Halal on Yantif, Halal at other times, is a full-fledged obligation? So why is it different than eating matzah at the second Seder, where we do make a bracha, because overall the matzah is an obligation? So in the final paragraph, Rav Velvel answers this based on something that his father, Rav Chaim, said on a very fundamental issue, which is there is a question and the Beis Yosef quotes from the Agor and the Vilna Gon also discusses this in Arachayim Simen Mem Zayin. How can a woman make a Birchas HaTorah? The halacha is that a woman makes a bracha on the Torah, but women are not obligated to study Torah. So how are they making Birchas HaTorah when they're not obligated in the mitzvah of studying Torah? Now, there is a debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam whether women are allowed to make a bracha on a mitzvah that they're not commanded in. So let's say a woman eats in the sukkah, can she make the bracha on eating on the sukkah even though she's not commanded to eat in the sukkah? So according to Rabbeinu Tam, which is followed by the Ashkenazim, women are able to choose to make brachas on mitzvahs that they choose to observe. And according to the Rambam, they cannot. So obviously according to Rabbeinu Tam, we could suggest that a woman makes a birchas Torah even though she's not obligated to study Torah because she could choose to make the bracha. But according to the Rambam, Rambam, who holds in the third chapter of Hilchus Tzitzis, that women cannot make a bracha on a mitzvah that they're not commanded in. So now this is even more problematic. How do they make a birchas Torah when they're not obligated to study Torah? So Rab Chaim answered that the birchas Torah, the bracha that we make on studying Torah, is not a birchas mitzvos. It's not a bracha that we make before doing a mitzvah. So before blowing shofar, before sitting and eating in the sukkah, we make a bracha on those mitzvahs. The Birkas HaTorah is not a bracha on the mitzvah of studying Torah. It's a bracha on the Torah itself. The fact that Hashem gave us this tremendous gift of the Torah requires a bracha on 
the Torah itself. And the proof is that the Gemara in Brachos Chaf Aleph derives the obligation of the Berchsa Torah from the Pasuk of Kishem Hashem Ekra, that when the name of Hashem is called. So it's not on the mitzvah of the studying Torah, it's on the fact that we got this great gift, the object, the concept of being given the Torah by Hashem, so that requires a bracha each and every day to celebrate. So women are not excluded from celebrating the giving of the Torah, the concept of the Torah, even though women don't have a direct obligation to study Torah, but they have the same obligation to celebrate the Torah itself as the men, and therefore women make a bracha on the Torah. So according to Rab Chaim, Birkas Torah is not a bracha on a mitzvah, in which case only people obligated would make the bracha, at least according to the Rambam, and women would not make the bracha. According to Rab Chaim, the Birkas Torah is on the concept of Torah itself, on the fact that there is a Torah given to us and people study it. So that bracha applies to everyone, even if they're not obligated in that mitzvah. So that's why women make this bracha. So now, says Rab Velvel, based on this insight of Rab Chaim, we can explain the debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam whether one should make a bracha on non-obligatory halal. Because back to the Masechus Sofrim that says that if someone reads from Kisve HaKodesh, from the Tanakh, even though they're not obligated to read, they make a bracha They make a bracha on the reading of the holy writings of Tanakh. And someone who reads the Megillah makes a bracha al mikra Megillah on reading the Megillah. So again, the Masechus Sofrim, as we saw earlier, holds that you make a bracha on reading the Tanakh publicly, even if it's not obligatory. So why is there such a bracha? So says Rab Velvel, according to Rab Chaim's insight, we could say that this is a debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam. According to the Rambam, the reason the Masechah Sofrim says that you make a bracha on reading the Tanakh or the Megillahs publicly is not that it's a berchas mitzvos. It's understood that there is no obligation, there is no mitzvah to read these things. So even if it's a custom, the Masechah Sofrim says you cannot make a bracha on that sort of non-obligatory reading. The reason there is a bracha is on the chefza, on the object of the Torah itself. Same as the Birkasa Torah is on the concept of the Torah. It's not on the mitzvah of studying Torah. It's on the Torah itself. So the bracha of Mesecha Sofrim is on the Tanakh itself. So that only applies to the study of Tanakh, the study of Torah. It does not apply to reading the Hallel, which is a prayer. So if that's not obligatory, then we would not make a bracha on that. So that's why the Rambam holds we only make a bracha on things that are either currently a mitzvah or an object which is a mitzvah at another time, like eating matzah at the second seder. But reciting halal on Rosh Chodesh, which is neither a mitzvah that day, and it's not an object of a mitzvah because it's halal, so it's not like reading the Torah, so there is no bracha on halal of Rosh Chodesh. Whereas Rabbeinu Tam and the Rav Yah, which was the basis for the Agos Maimonis, so those two, they understand that the basis for the halacha and Meseches Sofrim, that one makes a bracha on reading Tanakh or the Megillahs that wasn't on the concept of Torah. It's not in line with Rab Chaim's insight, but it's a regular old bracha on the mitzvah of reciting and studying Torah. So since we see that one can make that birkas mitzvos even when they're not obligated, since there are other times when the public reading of Torah is an obligation, so they derive 
derive from here that even if someone is not obligated at this moment in what they're doing, but there are other times that this behavior is a mitzvah, so they could make a bracha on it even when it's non-obligatory. So the same applies to halal on Rosh Chodesh, even though it's not an object which is an object of a mitzvah, even though it's a behavior. And on that day, it's not obligatory. Still, they can make a bracha because there are other times during the year when reciting halal is obligatory. So it's like the person who makes a bracha on reading the Megillah, even though it's not obligatory that day, but there are other times during the year when it is obligatory. So that's Reb Velvel's overall analysis of the view of the Rambam. And as he very often does, he articulates three distinct approaches to how to understand this whole halacha. There is the view of Rashi and Tosvos, which is that the reason we don't make a bracha on a minhag is because it's less obligatory than a regular decree, but that only applies to vitzivanu brachas. So therefore, the reason we make brachas on the second day of Yantif is because we don't use the vitzivanu formula. Then on the other end of the spectrum is the view of the Rambam. He holds that a minhag is as obligatory as a decree, but the reason we don't make a bracha on a minhag is because that's the nature of brachas, that they're only on mitzvahs, not on minhagim. So according to the Rambam, the reason we make a bracha on the second day of Yantif is because those objects that we're using are full-fledged objects of mitzvah, even though that day they're not obligatory, but the day before they were, so we're able to make a bracha on them. And then in the middle is the view of Rabbeinu Tam. He understands like the Rambam that we do not make brachas on minhagim. So therefore he agrees with the Rambam that if something is not obligatory today, but it is obligatory at another time, so it's inherently an object of a mitzvah, then we could make a bracha on it. But Rabbeinu Tam disagrees with the Rambam because he includes that even reading sections of the Torah or reading things which are not obligatory today, if they are obligatory at other times, so that's enough in order to require a bracha. So that's why Halel on Rosh Chodesh, even though it's not obligatory, gets a bracha. Whereas the Rambam disagrees with that because he holds that the bracha on reading Torah is not a Birkas mitzvos, it's a bracha on the Torah itself, so that does not apply to the Halal prayer. So those are the three different views that Reb Velvel sets up. Now, there are a lot of thought-provoking ideas in this piece. First of all, Rab Velvel raises the issue which is discussed in Arachaim Simon Mem Zayin, why women make a Birkas Torah. And he quotes from Rab Chaim a very fresh perspective on the whole issue. In the Sefer Asufus Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi on Shas, so in the section on Brachos, they quote that Rab Chaim had a very sharp formulation of this idea that there was a guy who wanted to study Torah and he said, before I do so, I'm going to make a Birkas Torah. So Rab Chaim told him, it's not that one has to make the Bracha before before they study Torah. People generally assume that when they wake up in the morning, they have to make the Birksat Torah before they study Torah. Rab Chaim said it goes the other way, that the study of Torah has to be preceded by a bracha. So it's not a halacha in the bracha, that the bracha has to be made before studying Torah. It's a halacha, so to speak, in the concept of Torah, that the study of Torah has to be preceded by a bracha. I saw someone misunderstand this, and they claim that according to Rab Chaim, one is allowed to study Torah before making a Birkasat Torah. In other words, unlike the mainstream view that one has to make the Birkasat Torah first thing in the morning, Rab Chaim holds that one could study Torah. They just at some point need to make this bracha. And that seems almost certainly a misunderstanding. That's not correct. Rab Chaim agrees with the mainstream view that you have to make the Birkasat Torah before studying Torah. He just has a different conceptual understanding
understanding of it. It's not a birkas mitzvos. It's not a bracha on the mitzvah of studying Torah, but it's a bracha on the Torah itself. So the concept of Torah requires that a bracha be made beforehand. So this is a very important concept from Rab Chaim. And in the later discussions about Birkasa Torah, this idea comes up all the time. It's a very fundamental re-understanding of what a Birkasa Torah is. And it answers many of the questions surrounding the issue of Birkasa Torah. Now, it's worth noting that Rab Velvel himself points out that this seems to work within the Rambam, but potentially not within Rabbeinu Tam. Now, the Beis Yosef at the end of Simon Mem Zayin quotes from the Sefer HaAgor that there are three reasons why women can make a Birksat Torah. A, because even though they don't study the Torah Shabal Peh, they do study the Torah Shabal the written Torah. B, because women do recite the Korbanos and other sections of davening which have to do with the sacrifices. So those require a Birkasat Torah beforehand. And C, according to the Smag, women are obligated to study halachas that are relevant to them. So according to the Sefer HaAgor, the reason why women make a Birkasat Torah, even though they're not obligated to study Torah in general, is because there are areas where they do study, so there are exceptions to that rule, and because of those exceptions, women make a Birkasat Torah. Now, the Vilnigon in the Bir HaGra disagrees with the Sefer HaAgor because he argues that you can't make a Birkas Torah and say Vitzivanu that I'm obligated to study Torah if you're not in fact obligated to study Torah you only need to know certain halachas that are relevant to you but you're not fundamentally obligated in the mitzvah of studying Torah. So he doesn't think that the Agur's explanations are going to work and the Vilnigon explains it that it's in line with Rabbeinu Tam's opinion that women are allowed to choose to make a bracha even on something they're not obligated in. So obviously according to the Vilnigon this would be limited to Tosfos and the Ashkenazim's view, but it would not work for the Rambam and the Sephardim's view that women cannot choose to make a bracha. So that's exactly the way Rab Velvel formulated it, that Rab Chaim's idea is needed in order to explain it according to the Rambam. But either way, it's worth pointing out that it seems that Rabbeinu Tam and the Agor and the Vilna Gaon all understand that the Birkas Torah is a Birkas mitzvos, and Rab Chaim goes against that tradition. He understands, according to the Rambam, that a Birkas HaTorah is more like a Birkas HaShvach. There are three different types of brachas. There's a bracha on something that you eat or derive pleasure from. There's a bracha before doing a mitzvah. And then there's a bracha praising what Hashem has done. So like on lightning or on the oceans, there's all sorts of brachas praising the greatness of Hashem. So it seems that according to the Sefer HaAgor, the Birkas HaTorah is a bracha before a mitzvah. And according to Rab Chaim, it's a bracha on the greatness of what Hashem has created. So there's a bracha on the greatest creation of all, on the majesty and the beauty and the brilliance and the profundity of the Torah. So Rab Chaim has a totally novel way of understanding this. And the Agur and the Vilnagon are also bringing up some very important ideas. So this whole issue of why women are able to make a Birkasat Torah goes to the heart and soul of what a Birkasat Torah is. And Rab Chaim has a very new understanding of it. Now in the Chuvis Dvar Avram from Rab Avram Dovber Kahana Shapiro, who was the last Rav of Kovna, he was killed in the Holocaust. And he was a relative, a cousin of Rab Chaim. He was a son of Rab Zalman Sender Kahana. Shapiro, who was a cousin of the Salavechiks, he studied under the Beis Halevi, and the Dvar Avram himself, when he was younger, studied in Valazhin when Rab Chaim was a Rashiva there. So in his tshuvas in Chelek Aleph Simon Tess Zion, in a tshuva to Rab Elchanan Wasserman, so he discusses this issue, and he quotes at the beginning of the tshuva that Rab Elchanan actually wrote to him, like Rab Chaim's whole idea, 
he himself came up with this idea that a Birkas Torah is not a Birkas mitzvos. It's on the Torah itself. And then the Dvar Avram has a long discussion about all sorts of details of Rebel Hanan's idea. And then towards the end of the Tshuva in Simen Chafches, he comes back to this idea and he disagrees with it. According to the Dvar Avram, a Birkas Torah is on the mitzvah of studying Torah. So it's a regular Birkas mitzvos. So this issue, whether a Birkas Torah is a Birkas mitzvos or a Birkas HaShvach, is a debate between Rebel Hanan and the Dvar Avram. Now, in addition, Rebbe Velvel brings up the issue of what the force, the obligation to follow a min hug is. And he understands the view of the Rambam that following a minhag has the same force as following any rabbinic decree. It's all included in the command of the Torah to listen to the rabbis. Now, interestingly, the Maram Shik in his Chuvas Yaradea Simen Reish Tesvav also discusses this, and he goes along very similar lines of Rab Velvel, but he has a totally different understanding of the Rambam. So he understands, and this makes a lot of sense, that there are two different types of minhagim. One is a custom that people people started doing and we continue doing it. The other is a custom that was begun and then the rabbis instituted it as a decree. So according to the Maram Shik, the Rambam only means that you have to follow a minhag based on losasor, that it has the same obligation as any decree when the rabbis turned it into a takana afterwards. But something which was always a minhag does not have the same level obligation as a takana. So according to the Maram Shik, the Rambam Rambam agrees with Rashi that a minhag has less force than a takana. You just have to know which type of minhag we're talking about. So something that people have been doing, that type of minhag is less forceful, less obligatory than a takana. So the Maram Shik has a different understanding of the Rambam. Reb Velvel understands that according to the Rambam, every minhag, he doesn't distinguish between different types of minhagim, is included in losasor. So that's another very important point that Reb Velvel discusses. In addition, in addition, Rav Velvel reads the Rambam as holding that the second day of Yantif is a minhag, not a takana. Now, Rav Velvel's father, Rav Chaim, in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi Al HaRambam, in his piece on Hilchus Yom Tov, so he discusses something similar, which is whether the second day is a suffake, whether we keep it as if we're not sure which day is really Yantif or not. So this issue seems to touch on Rav Velvel's discussion, but it's not clear to me whether there is some contradiction between Rav Chaim and Reb Velvel on this, or whether they're really talking about two totally different concepts. So that would need some further study. Now, finally, Reb Velvel brings up how to interpret this Tosfos that he compares saying Hallel on Rosh Chodesh to the second day of Yantif, and that both of those customs are different from the custom of our Rava. So how do we understand what Tosfos is trying to say? So Reb Velvel interprets this along the lines of his understanding of the Rambam, that Tosfos is saying that anything which is inherently a mitzvah even if on that day it's a custom, like halal on Rosh Chodesh, or eating matzah at the second Seder, you could still make a bracha. As opposed to the arava, which is never a mitzvah, so you cannot make a bracha on that minhag. Now, there are other commentators who try to make sense of what Tosos is trying to say over here. The Chasam Sofer in two tshuvas, in Yeridea Simen Kuf Tzari Aleph, and Arachayim Simen Kuf Mem Hey, discusses this Tosvos. And in Simen Kuf Tzari Aleph, he suggests a more practical, technical, understanding of Tosvos, not conceptual like Reb Velvel, which is that Tosvos is just trying to say that Hallel is an important minhag, meaning there are less important minhagim like Arava and more important minhagim like Hallel, which is a form of studying Torah. So since it's included under the category of Torah,
Torah study, it's a much more important minhag and it gets a bracha. And that's also how the Arach Lener in Sukkah Memdalad Amad Beis explains it along those lines that Tosos is trying to say that Halal is an important minhag as opposed to less important minhagim. And the Chasim Sofer even adds that Tosos is just adding this, but it's not totally necessary. He's really giving us two reasons why there's a bracha on Halal of Rosh Chodesh. One is because it's an important minhag, like the second day of Yantif, and second, because it's part of Torah study. So both of those reasons, almost independently, would require a bracha. The Aruch Laner has another explanation of Tosvos, but before all this, he makes an interesting suggestion that this is a typo, the comparison of Halel to Torah, to making a bracha on reading the Torah, is a typo, because it's not in the Ran or the Rush's version of this discussion, and it's not in another Tosvos and Erchen that discusses it. So the Aruch Laner suggests that maybe that phrase is just a typo, and it shouldn't even be there. Now, the stipler in Kilos Yaakov, Brachos Simen Ches, also discusses this Tosos, and he quotes Rebbe Velvel, and then he gives his own approach, which is that Tosos means to say the bracha on the second day of Yantif is part of the minhag itself. In other words, we don't make a bracha on a minhag. So the minhag of taking the Arava on Hoshana Rabbah, we're not going to make a bracha on that minhag. But the minhag of keeping the second day of Yantif includes the brachas in it. Because when the Jews in the olden days kept the second day of Yantif, they obviously made brachas because they didn't know which day was the real day. So included in observing the minhag, if we want to do what our ancestors did, so that includes the bracha which comes as part of the minhag. So if the bracha is part of the minhag, then that we're able to do. So that's another interesting idea how to understand the logic of Tosvos.